Hey, this is Alex from Sarcasm and Lava Socks Records, and you're checking out the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. Welcome to episode 106 of the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. This episode is all about Lava Socks Records and the person behind the record label, Alex Botkin. You may know Alex from the band Sarcasm, which by the way is one of my very favorite bands. Or maybe you know Alex from his role at the very iconic 924 Gilman Street in Berkeley, California. Have you heard of that place? Sure. Regardless of whether you know Alex or not, you are going to get to know him and Lava Sox Records and a couple of their most recent releases a little bit better in this episode. Lava Sox Records has recently re-released this like time capsule of a record, which is called The Thing That Ate Floyd. That record, The Thing That Ate Floyd, was originally released in 1988 on Lookout Records, and has every single Bay Area band of that time on the record, the San Francisco Bay Area. Operation Ivy, Neurosis, Cringer, No Use for a Name, and 27 other bands were on this record. It's such a gnarly, crazy compilation of all these awesome bands, right? Now, coming up very soon, a record is going to be released by Lava Sox Records and Sell the Heart Records on June 4th of 2021. This record is a complete redo of Rancid's and Outcome the Wolves record, track by track, every song covered by a different band. I'm definitely getting ahead of myself a little bit. I'm not going to go into a bunch of details on this one. This record, by the way, is called An Outcome the Lawsuits. (laughs) That's very appropriate and pretty awesome. Let's talk to Alex about this stuff. Let's hear what he has to say about it. I've said enough already. I do want to mention something, though, real quick, a little self-promotion, if you will. I have some new merch for sale. Specifically, I have some new coffee mugs and stickers with that kind of Bobcast Ghost logo, right? Ghost with glasses, that kind of thing. Also, I've got some glow-in-the-dark green Bobcast Ghost t-shirts coming very soon. You you should check that stuff out. You can go to www.iwantapartywithbob.com slash merch. Buy some of that fantastic stuff. You would be helping me quite a bit if you did. Another way you can help me out also is by becoming my patron on Patreon. And you can do that by visiting www.patreon.com slash I want to party with Bob. Through that Patreon page, you will get access to a no ad and streamlined version of this episode and many more of the Bobcast episodes. All you have to do is become my patron. It's a dollar a month for the lowest tier, but that gives you full access to all of these special episodes. Oh, there are higher tiers, and I'll send you some free stuff if you do join one of the higher tiers. So it's kind of a win-win. That's what I'm trying to say. Go to the Patreon page and check it out. Thank you. I do want to talk to you about one more thing before we get going with this episode. So why don't we do the... Beer of the Episode. Yes, the beer of the episode. Why not? This time, we're going to try a brand new beer. This is from Hodad's Brewing Company, which is a company that's based in San Diego, California. The beer is called the Surf Punk Baja Lager. It's a 4.5% alcohol by volume, Baja-style lager, supposedly very crisp and delicious. Well, why don't we put our wetsuit on and paddle out to this beer and see what it's all about. It is crisp. Ooh, yeah. It's got a little bite like a good Mexican lager should have. It tastes like what Corona would taste like if it was actually a good beer. Really what I get more from this is like a little bit stronger of a Pacifico, maybe. And I like Pacifico, too. Oh, yeah, that's nice. That is a damn good beer. Very good beer. If you'd like to try this beer, you definitely can try this one and many other fine beers and also food. Because holy shit... Hodad's has the craziest burgers I've ever had. Then they have a vegan and vegetarian options as well, by the way. You can go to Hodad's. They have four locations around San Diego. 
There are Hodad's locations in Ocean Beach, downtown San Diego, inside Petco Park, where the Padres play baseball, that place, you know, and also at Saquon Casino. Yeah, there's a few options for you there. See, you can reach Hodad's location in Ocean Beach by phone at 619-224-4623 or the downtown San Diego location at 619-234-6323. You can visit Hodad's on the web at www.hodadies.com. That is www.hodaddies.com. Hodad's, world's best burgers. They also have some damn fine beer, which is brewed right here in San Diego. Check them out. We are going to be talking mostly to Alex about music in this episode. So why don't we listen to a few songs in this episode while we're here? We're going to hear two songs each off of the two records that we're talking about. The first two songs you're going to hear are off of The Thing That Ate Floyd, and they will appear in this order. Sweet Baby is up with the song Andorra right before the interview comes up with Alex. Then a song by the band Cringer, and that one is called Coddleson Pie. That one's going to show up kind of in the middle of the interview, kind of a little intermission. Then you're going to hear two songs off of An Outcome the Lawsuits. The first song is by a band called Danger, Inc. It, one of my favorite bands as well, and incredibly awesome people. Former guests on the Bobcast, of course. And they are playing their version of the Rancid song, As Wicked. And the last song of the episode is by Sarcasm. That's going to be at the very end of the interview. And they are going to play their version of the song, Journey to the End of the East Bay. Well, hey-ho, let's go. Here are a few words from this episode's sponsor, 3110 Printing. Then the song, Andorra by Sweet Baby. And on with the rest of the show. Stay tuned. Thirty-one ten printing has you covered for all of your custom screen printing needs. Do you need custom T-shirts made for your business, your band, your podcast, or even a family reunion? Thirty-one ten printing is the affordable, efficient, and high-quality solution for your custom screen printing project. If you'd like a quote, simply contact Thirty-one Ten Printing by phone at six one nine four three one six nine six six. Or you can reach 3110 Printing on the web at www.3110printing.com. That's 3110 spelled out, not the numbers 3110. You can also reach 3110 Printing via their Facebook or Instagram pages, which is simply at 3110 Printing. Once again, spelled out, not the numbers. 3110 Printing has a wide variety of custom screen printing services available from simple one-color designs to more complex layers of colors, all done with very competitive pricing, quick turnaround time, and a very high-quality finished product. If you have any questions at all about the types of services available at 3110 Printing, please don't hesitate to call. That number is 619-431-6966. Or submit your question via the 3110 website. That address, once again, is www.3110printing.com. 3110 Printing is here to help you with all of your custom screen printing needs.
Well, welcome Alex Botkin from Lava Sox Records, Sarcasm, 924 Gilman Street. Welcome to the Bobcast once again, returning. Thank you. you know, the last time Alex was a champion of the Simpsons trivia, I didn't have any Simpsons trivia worked up for you this time around, but that's okay because we have okay. other things to talk about. We do. I know you from Sarcasm, and that time you probably kicked me out of Gilman the parking area at Gilman. I don't know. You know, I've always been pretty cool with drinking there, but you know, there was a chance that you came out and said, Hey, can you guys go in your van real quick? Cause this isn't cool out here. So what, tell, tell me a little bit about yourself or tell the people a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I've been involved in the Bay area scene for about 11 years. Now I started with my band sarcasm. I joined them in 2010. I've been booking shows Locally, specifically 94 Gilman, but at various other places around here since about 2016. I've always had this fascination with kind of historic archiving of stuff. And when I discovered Lookout, probably about the same time, 2016, 2015, I kind of went full bore into finding out everything I could about it and just amassing like as much knowledge about East Bay Punk. And after that, the Turn It Around movie came out. And it was really the perfect time to be getting into that because then all this information became really available. And for me getting into lookout, there's 300 plus releases. So it's like, where do you start? And I looked at their compilations first. I bought Floyd, I bought can of pork, I bought all that sort of stuff. And getting into that is what inspired me to start lava socks. Cause I love the kind of DIY ethos that lookout had in the early days and putting out bands just for fun and like, putting out things like surrogate brains eyeball and you know, all these really early bands that were just totally bizarre to be bizarre. And I started lava socks in 2017, mostly focusing on putting out local bands. And then in the past couple of years, especially because of the pandemic and haven't really been able to see any local bands recently, I've kind of turned towards working and seeing what reissues are out there mm. that need to be done. And, Floyd was sort of like, I guess I'll preface with, in 2017, I booked this show called The Lookouting, which was four nights of lookout reunions for the 30th anniversary of the label end of Gilman. And it was sort of, I was too young to know who hated who and who people were always like, oh, they'll never talk to each other again. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just going to email them. <laughs> we'll see what happens. And yeah, you missed out on like kind of clicky stuff in a way, which is good, exactly. really, you know? And I, I think that really gave me an advantage because it helps get some of these bands back together. And then with this compilation, it also made it easy of, it seemed like such a daunting thing. And it definitely was a lot of work, but I don't want to de-emphasize the fact that it came together better than I thought it could have. And uh, I've done a couple other reissues. I did a Till reissue. I did a Corrupted Morals reissue. And that's kind of where I am now. I play in a band called Sarcasm. You can listen to the other Bobcast episode to hear about that band and all the stuff we've done. That's the better place for that. I won't go into that now, but <laughs> sure. And at the very end, I've got a list of every episode that Sarcasm has been in, and it's surprisingly long. I think it's like six <laughs> episodes. So yeah, that's a that's a, that's a good thing in a way. So Lava Socks, I mean, with the record label. Did you need more stress in your life that you wanted to start a record label in some ways? Uh, no, probably not. I was a sophomore. I think I was between sophomore and junior year of college. I was out of state for college for a couple of years in Portland. And part of what caused that is I wasn't able to really play with sarcasm during that time. We played on my fall break. We would tour in the winter and we would tour in the summer. And that was really it. And so I started the label, a friend of mine's band Campy wanted to put out a demo tape. And I thought, well, I have a, I have a tape to player. I can, I can just dub some tapes for you. And ah. it ended up being really fun. And it kind of spiraled from there of a couple other friends were working on stuff and I put some stuff out for them. And then I did this Dookie tribute comp with bands that are a bunch of bands I've worked with all the time, like Get Married, Grumpster, Danger Inc. Yeah. And that was the first release I did that felt really substantial. I think that was like Sox 003 or 004 or something. And that really 
was so fun. I love kind of working on comps. And for me, the more, not stressed, but the more occupied I am with a project, the happier I am with it. Sure. The projects that I've done where it's like, I do tape commissions for people and I enjoy that, but getting all this stuff sent to me and then basically doing the, the boring part of dubbing tapes and printing out labels and putting labels on stuff and then just handing it back over. There's no thrill for that for me dealing with intense emails. If it's going to lead to something really cool has this weird, probably bad in my like psyche level joy but I love getting like, I don't know, it's, it's leading towards something really exciting. And that's, I think, what makes it so worthwhile to me and why I love pouring hours into this label and doing it all for just the fun of it. And, but no, probably my parents would say that I should be putting all my focus into school and uh, all that sort of stuff. And I, I took the pandemic to also start getting a master's degree. Oh, so boy. I'm doing that at the same time, which it's, yeah, it's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> but, yeah. So it's kind of rewarding in a way, like you were saying about the email thing. And I'll give you a great example of this. Someone that I was talking to a couple months ago, Grant Lawrence from the smugglers. Oh yeah. And it just came up. We were talking. And I said, well, when was the last time the smugglers played or whatever? And he said, well, we did this thing at 924 Gilman Street. Have you ever heard of that? And I said, yeah, yeah. And he said, well, this kid named Alex Botkin sent me an email and said, will you come and play? And I go, I know Alex. <laughs> and, I really, and I go, really? And he yeah. said, yeah, great, great guy, great person, all this stuff. And that has to be kind of rewarding because really, oh, if you hadn't emailed them, they would have never reformed and played that show and yada, yada. So there you go. You now, know, And it, it gave Grant, Grant's like, I love everything I've done. Meeting Grant and working with the smugglers has been one of the highlights. I love that he wrote me back and he was like, this is perfect. This is the ending to my book that I've been working on. This is, <laughs> this gives me a happier ending than we just stopped playing shows and that was it. Right. <laughs> and like, I was like, oh, awesome. <laughs> so that was super good. And yeah, it. I've met so many people like Grant that, you know, ignoring the smugglers playing and all that sort of stuff. I wouldn't have never met Grant or like by association met Nardwar or all these people Yeah, just with this experience. And it leads to those kind of amazing like friendships, like Grant's someone that I talk to just for fun now. And that's something that, you know, four years ago, my 17, 18 year old self would never have believed was happening. Yeah, you so. would you would have freaked out back then if someone had told yeah. you what you're doing now. It would have been like, "Oh, what, me, really? Like that's exactly. that's amazing. That's great." As far as like the lookout stuff goes, when you started the label, you did say, you know, you did the Dookie tribute thing was kind of one of your goals in some ways, taking these old lookout releases, like the tilt record and now the Floyd record and kind of going, well, these need to be out there. Was that something that was kind of important to you kind of preserving that history of the Bay area music scene, specifically like the punk scene in some ways? Definitely. And I think that's exactly like the main focus 
phrased it great, is Tilt, especially, and bands like that, I was sort of shocked didn't have stuff out there. And I mean, the big thing was like Tilt and a lot of these lookout bands have absolutely no digital presence and no streaming presence. And for people like me, finding out about these bands 20, 30 years later, I've found like old blog posts that you can download like an MP3 from this, like of their catalog ripped from a tape and probably get some malware virus. And (laughs) but like you have it. And I just want to make it accessible to people. And my, I remember someone tweeting when I put the tilt thing up on Bandcamp, and it was someone that was younger than me and was really happy to find it through like a Bandcamp day and discover it through that. And these bands don't have any current reason to be discovered. And I mean, the movie helped a lot with turning around and that sort of stuff where people looking at what, who green day played with, but there's no reason for people to seek out these bands unless they're like, obsessed with the label or obsessed with something like this. And this is giving the chance for that random discovery to sort of happen. And along with that, I always try to put out something unique. I don't really like doing just like, Oh, I've repackaged it. Nah. With tilt, it has a whole other LP of, well, the whole album got remixed by Bart Thurber who recorded the first tilt seven inch. It has the entire, demo sessions they did at Gilman before the album. It has a bunch of other tracks that weren't used. And then with Corrupted Morals, I found out they had five other songs from the same session from the 7-inch that they had never, ever really used for anything. Ah. It's like, oh, well, we'll just remix all of it and we'll put it all together and give something new. And so it's giving an incentive also of like, okay, you might already own it, but you don't own it like this you don't own it sounding like this. You don't own it with this material. Here's a reason to maybe give it a new chance and give it a new listen. If you or you know, I've heard that album a hundred times. I bought it when it came out. Well, not like this, maybe. Right. And not right. as well preserved and all that sort of stuff. Right. Like in my case, I look behind me and I have both tilt CDs are on a shelf right behind me. You know, I can't see them exactly from here, but yeah, see, hearing you say that, well, it's been remastered. It's been remixed. That kind of thing makes me go, you know what? Maybe I should probably check this out because that that it's been 20 something years since I bought that CD on the shelf, you know, yeah. and probably 15 since I listened to it, maybe, you know, but <laughs> it's important to preserve those the histories in that way, too. Yeah. I especially think with the Floyd thing, seeing all those bands for a guy like me in my kind of age and group and all that stuff, seeing just the names of a lot of those bands really brought back some rad memories, you know? So that's a, that's a service in and of itself in some ways. Mm -hmm. What's your role at 924 Gilman? What is your, your kind of position there? Sure. So currently my title is I'm a, well, I'm a booker. I think that, I guess that's what the title is. And I'm on the fundraising committee. So we have six people that have kind of been helping guide Gilman through the pandemic and keep us going. And I was on the fundraising committee since about 2018 and it was pretty mellow. It's definitely become the main, like that's the main thing of Gilman now is fundraising and basically making sure we get all the grants and everything we can do to stay open and keep the doors open essentially. Right. Exactly. And I've done everything I've done garbage collection i've done impromptu sound once when someone was late i've helped coordinate i've done the ticket booth i think like everyone at gilman who's been there for a few years you kind of it's like the you kind of do everything after a while and i've played there a lot before i volunteered and i felt like i needed to kind of catch up a little on my volunteering because i played there like three to four years and would just kind of play and then leave and I realized very quickly later, like maybe I should have like helped out or like watched the rest of the bands. And so I started trying to like contribute as much as I can. And now I spend like before the pandemic every weekend I was there with my dad who would come with me to take photos and I would be there volunteering. And it was kind of this like punk father son duo. Kind of a family and affair then, in some ways. Sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my dad started going more than me, which was the weird moment when he would go to shows without me. 
Wow. And he would text me, <laughs> and I'd be at work, and he's like, I'm at Gilman right now, and I'm watching some hardcore band. I'm like, okay, cool, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> like, coolest dad ever. I, mean, I know, and it's, yeah, and that's the other thing, actually, with all this preservation stuff, is my parents grew up in Berkeley. They lived in some of the co-ops at UC Berkeley when they were here in college, and they were living in Berkeley during the 80s and 90s, and they had no idea that Gilman existed, no idea that Lookout existed, no idea really about East Bay Punk until I kind of got into it. Wow. And they were like, wow, if I had known about these bands and that, like, I could have seen these, and, you know, them saying, like, wow, I could have seen Op Ivy just in the late 80s, and right. I was just around, they they didn't do it. And there's, you know, there's people that aren't, my age that don't know this. There's people that are my parents' age who could have very easily been involved in that that have no idea, who lived in the Bay Area that have no idea. And that's kind of what I would do with that. But Gilman goes hand in hand with everything I do. Try to donate a lot of stuff. Floyd is being donated to Gilman with all the profits. And a lot of that's, you know, me being on the fundraising, knowing our very specific financial state and all that sort of stuff. And Sure. Trying to give back when I can. That was kind of the whole point of that question is what's your role yeah. there? Because I knew Floyd, you were giving all the proceeds from Floyd to Gilman. So great. Okay, yeah. good. So there's more to Floyd than just that history is that it's actually a tool in some ways to help keep the doors at Gilman open and keep that very vital part of the Bay Area music scene and punk scene specifically going in some ways. So great. Definitely. And it's, it's done really well. And thank, uh, David Hayes, who crea- created the comp originally, was very excited about that idea. And that really helped. And he kind of helped push forward that and make it possible, knowing that it would be a Gilman benefit, which was really amazing. Let's talk about the thing that ate Floyd a little bit. Originally came out in 1988, I think. Yeah. It was like we were saying kind of before we started recording it's lookout number 011 or 011 might've been the, the the sixth release on the label. So it's a very early part of the lookout catalog, the whole massive lookout catalog, you know, do you think that record is a very important record historically? And I know we've kind of gone over that a little bit, but as far, it really seems to document a big and various part of the East Bay scene, specifically kind of East Bay, and it yeah. kind of all over the Bay in some ways, though. Yeah, I think if you want to kind of learn about the East Bay scene, if you get Turn It Around and The Thing That Ate Floyd, you'll get a pretty good sense of everything that was really going on in the East Bay in the 80s. And The Thing That Ate Floyd, I love because... There's so many bands on there that you can hear something new every time and you kind of never get bored with it. All the tracks on there have their own sort of energy. You have songs like Andorra by Sweet Baby Jesus, which is this poppy, amazing kind of just yeah. pop punk gem, I guess, but almost just very 60s pop. And then you have like, as you mentioned earlier, Neurosis or Sticky or these other hardcore bands that are totally goofy. Or and then you have band names like I remember reading like Vomit Launch and Swollen um, oh, right. Boss Code and <laughs> right. kind of just whatever and Plaid Retina and all this sort of stuff that to me now just seem like oh yeah that. But reading through and being like wow, those are some really bizarre band names and it gives every main aspect that you could think of. And so many of the bands that are in it either were kind of the biggest bands, like, you know, you have Operation Ivy on there and then you have bands like Isocracy that went on to become Sam I Am and you had, you had No Use for a Name, which ended up becoming much, you know, really big on Fat Wreck and all that sort of stuff. And Neurosis kind of, this was more their punk stuff, but became this big kind of metal group. And It's sort of the kind of catalyst of everything that kicked off. And I don't want to say it was the golden era, but it probably was like one of the best moments of at least the early stages of East Bay Punk. And it just perfectly captures that. 
it's funny you mentioned golden age because that kind of late 80s period, uh, Sweet Baby Jesus or Sweet Baby, that was Dr. Frank on drums, I think, right, from Mr. T. Yeah. And then, you know, jump forward another, I don't know, five years to the early 90s, 92, 93, there's Green Day. You know, there's, you know, Jawbreakers starting to come in. There's all this other really crazy amazing music from the bay anybody that kind of loves that era of punk would say mm-hmm. that, that that was such an important area for music you know so Floyd. That's one question I wanted to ask. Who, oh, what man. Floyd are they talking about? <laughs> so Floyd actually is David Hayes. When he left Lookout the first time after, I can't remember what caused it. Something about some band. Uh, see, I don't know any of the drama. I can't go into all of it. But David Hayes left and formed Sprocket Records. And there's a few posters that I've seen. Actually, the track sheets for the Floyd reels, when I was converting them, I looked on the back and it's the poster for the Sprocket comp, which was called Floyd. And Floyd is this frog-like creature wearing a baseball cap that says eyeball. Hmm. That you can see on the thing that a Floyd record, I think on the back cover. And he rejoined Lookout and they put the thing that Abe Floyd out as I think it consumed what was Floyd. Floyd, I think, had the Corrupted Morals, Come on, the Carnivores, Bitch Fight, uh, Eyeball, a few of the other tracks, but not anywhere near 
the amount. I think it was more like 15 or 20 songs in David Hayes' mind. Hmm. But that's not something that I don't think I've ever really seen. I discovered it from getting the poster and seeing that and realizing like, oh, that makes sense. Because otherwise it's a totally random, meaningless title that is iconic now, but it's so weird. But that guess made it make more sense. But yeah, it took over what became the, what was the Floyd comp and became the thing that ain't Floyd. And I think it was Larry and David bringing together their two choices of bands for a compilation. Oh, makes sense. I mean, it's a little bit of an inside joke in some ways too. Yeah, between exactly. them, you know, okay. That makes sense. The next thing coming up for lava socks. And it looks like you've partnered with sell the heart records for this is yeah. the rancid covers comp and outcome the lawsuits. And that's a, that's a brilliant title for that. Thank are you. you. Are you, are you afraid of getting sued for anything on this? No, record? I no. will. I think this is good to say at this point, we did pay for all the legal rights to do what we're doing. Same with the green day one, the human streets rip off. We pay for the rights where we try to do it ethically. But I will say that title did come about when I wasn't sure if it would get a vinyl release and I probably would have gone forward with it either way. But I like kind of chancing it. Part of me would be so excited to receive a letter asking if we had paid for it or like a cease and desist letter. And just be able to be like, just be able to like, no, we we did. Our stupid idea is validated in in your label's (laughs) minds. Now, the cool thing about this record to me is it is track for track. Yeah. You look at an outcome, the wolves, you look at an outcome, the lawsuits and it's perfectly matched. It's, and I had no idea there are 19 songs I on know, both right. records. That is a lot of songs. How did the rancid thing come about? I mean, are you a big fan of rancid or does this kind of go hand in hand with just kind of preserving East Bay history and, and the music? Probably Outcome the Wolves is one of the albums that introduced me to East Bay Punk and just punk in general, probably in 2009 or so. I remember hearing Journey to the End of the East Bay because I was looking for more songs to learn on bass, and that one came up in some video. And I love that bass part, and that's part of why Sarcasm decided to cover that one for this. We did the Dookie comp for the 25th anniversary. We were looking, uh, Lalo and I from Grumpster, uh, were looking at kind of what could happen next. And the 25th anniversary of Outcome the Wolves was happening. And Mateo from Sarcasm actually told me yesterday at band practice that two years ago today, or yesterday, we posted, who wants to be on a Rancid comp? Who likes Rancid? Coming out. December 2019 then some other stuff happened and it got delayed to like spring and then it got really delayed right so it's the 25th it's I think I said like the 26th 25th anniversary on punk time of the outcome <laughs> yes. the wolves album <laughs> but I I just it kind of goes with the Floyd thing of I like doing really goofy love working with things that kind of highlight the bizarre sides of everything and in my mind, it allows me to highlight some bands that don't normally get to be on things together or might not be at all in the same genre and bring them together over kind of one common thing that adds a level of cohesion that if you put together like a compilation that just had this really intense screamo hardcore band, Vantana Row, and then instantly went to a ska band like Blink-80, it for me, I would be happy, but some people might find that a little jarring. But this gives it that kind of context to flow through, and then hope people go and check out Santana Row, or I mean, people know Link Eighty, but go and check out Omnigon, or go and check out Matamoska, or those kind of bands on their own, and then hear their actual music. Sure, could uh, kind of like a gateway drug in a sense, you exactly. know, poor choice of words, but it'll lead them to something that they may end up really loving, you know, so. 
And it has that built-in audience coming with Rancid of people like those songs anyway, so there's a better chance they'll blindly buy into it because it'll most likely be something they'll be happy with as opposed to just taking a chance on a band with no idea or, yeah, something like that. Sure, or even, yeah, just doing a comp with all of these bands as like Lava Socks, Record Sampler, however you want to say it. Oh, I just want to do a comp. I'll have all originals. This way, yeah, it kind of does lure people in and hopefully they'll get into some of those bands from here on out. Some of the bands, I mean, some of them are a little bit lesser known. I guess you would say there's a lot of great bands that I've heard of and I'll, I'll mention them. Get married, hammer bombs, link 80 sarcasm. Of course, warriors have a song in this. It's absolutely great too. I love it. I love it. The danger Inc. The hits just keep on coming for me with this record, you know? So what are some of your favorite songs on that record? If I can ask you to, to stick your neck out, yeah. like that, you know? So I, there's kind of the two camps of Warriors for me was so happy to happen. I love Lauren Genizia's writing and Warriors is a band that I've been a fan of for a long time. They kind of just transformed it in a way that just, it's really true and honoring the original but it also has that warriors vibe to totally, it yes and yes. i love listening to it it sounds great on the other hand vantana rose cover of she's automatic is kind of the most grating difficult to listen to song and probably the most difficult to listen to rancid cover you could ever hear and i think that's just such a it's so great sometimes to just like I love it and Vantana Row is this band that drives around the Bay Area and will park their van outside of other sold out shows and play for twenty seconds and then leave. I love it. I love it. Oh, that's and so, great. so they gave their own spin to it. I love it. Uh Pretty Frankenstein's kind of more like horror gothy punk version of ruby soho yes that is a good one i did listen to that one today yeah it's great it's great it's different you know it's cool though yeah and then get married always delivers when they did their dookie cover for coming clean it was amazing and then this one they can't do anything bad on a cover it just sounds like kind of pristine elvisy new wavy it's always perfect with them and those are probably the the standouts for me and then Blink-80, of course, I'm just still kind of in awe that that happened. And Adam Adam Davis from Omnigon played a huge part in this comp. He helped get Matamoska Flying Raccoon Suit, a bunch of bands, Omnigon, of course. And then he suggested Blink-80, and it's like, how, how would you even do that? You're, you're not a band. And, <laughs> right. and then he just made it happen and sent me the track, and he's like, here's the Link-80 song. Okay, cool. Wow. Yeah. Now, are most of the bands from the Bay Area? It seems like a lot of them are. Yes. I mean, I know Get Married San Jose, but that's kind of, eh, that kind of falls under barriers. I call, I call San Jose, San Jose and Sacramento to me are kind of like the outer limits. Yeah. So San Jose, I would totally count. And like Dangering from Sacramento now and a couple other things I would totally count. Warriors, I think. Oh, Flying yeah. Raccoon Suit is from the Midwest, I think. I'm not actually sure where Matamosca is from. The rest of them, I believe, are all Bay Area based, though. I try to keep it as close with the Bay Area as I can, unless something like Warriors comes up and it's an opportunity that I really just can't pass up to have them do something. Or someone like Flying Raccoon Suit does a really unique take on a song and I end up really liking it. And in that case, I'm fine with stretching it a little bit. As long as they seem really excited about rancid and excited about the comp idea and what it means to do this then that's what really matters you know the spirit of the bay area can kind of manifest in other places and people have their own diy punk scenes that have their own special meaning so it's not entirely like some click that you have to be from here to be a part of but right i do have a bias towards majority bay area for these kind of things to keep it towards that sort of vibe and a little bit of, of an authenticity thing in some ways considering exactly. where rancid was from and operation ivy yeah. which led to rancid yada yada so the rancid tribute or covers record 
that comes out on June 4th. Is that right? Of 2021? Yeah. Digital will be launched on June 4th. Vinyl production has gotten kind of backed up recently. So I'm mm. hoping July, but pretty soon. If you get the vinyl, you'll get a download, and I'll send you a download if you want one beforehand. But yeah, June 4th on streaming, Bandcamp, every digital platform. And then vinyl sometime in July. Cool. And what about, yeah. what else do you have in the works? Do you have anything planned that you want to talk about or mention? Yeah. So I'm working on a couple other Bay Area reissues. I'm working on, they're not really secretive, I guess, for me. I'm working on something with this band, Nuisance. I'm working on something with another band, Sortrout. I'm in the process of working on something for the smugglers, uh, how that'll manifest itself. I don't totally know yet, but they have a couple albums that are kind of out of print and we're CD only. So trying to get something going for that. And then beyond that, I have a couple tapes coming up, finally trying to get back into like the local band stuff, doing something with this Petaluma, California band, one arm, Joey, doing something with a UK queer techno punk band called Tougher Jets that will blow your mind cool. if you have not heard them yet. I'm doing two EP tapes for them and they're absolutely incredible. It's like kind of that snarling 70s sort of British punk meets pop Gary Newman sort of synth Wow, stuff. that's great. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> what was their name again? Tougher Jets. T-U-F-F. R-A-G-G-E-T-T-E-S, something like that. You have several things in the works. The future is looking good for Lava Sox and what yeah. you're doing. So awesome. Good job, Alex. Thank you very much for awesome. coming and talking to me. Oh, no, thank you. This is always great. I'm sure I'll be back in some form soon. We got to get you up to at least 10 episodes before exactly. 2021 ends. Anyways. That's, when I get, that's when I get the Bobcast watch. You do. You get the gold watch at that point. Yes, you do.
night, every night of the year. There it is. The Lava Sox Alex Botkin episode is now complete. And whenever I say that at the end of the episode, I always want to say in like a Darth Vader voice. The circle is now complete. Yes, and you got a little Darth Vader at the end of this episode bonus, kind of. I do love talking to Alex. Remember way back in April of 2020? It seems like it was like a lifetime ago. There was a sarcasm interview episode of the Bobcast. That was episode 48. We also had sarcasm in episode 75. That was when I played the entirety of that brand new sarcasm record that came out in October of 2020. Uh, There was also episode 35, 88, 89, and 49. Sarcasm has been on the Bobcast a lot. And that's because they're an incredible band, I think. And they are also incredible people. I love them. They are wonderful. So I was really happy to get the chance to talk to Alex about Lava Sox Records and everything else that we talked about. These two records, these two releases, talking about Gilman Street stuff, talking about Bay Area music history. It's really rad. Thank you so much, Alex, for coming on this episode of The Bobcast. Also, I'd like to say thank you to Chris Natt of Hit Points Media for setting this one up. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much to Hodads for the beer of the episode and 3110 Printing for sponsoring this one. Thank you so much. Thanks to Johnny from Hodads and 3110 for both. Really, Johnny is one of the good people out there. Thanks to all the bands who let me play songs in this episode, Sweet Baby, or Sweet Baby Jesus, actually, Cringer, Danger, Inc., and Sarcasm, your sounds have made the circle complete. Should I use that Darth Vader quote one more time? The circle is now complete. And of course, as always, thank you for listening. Please remember, subscribe, rate, and review the Bobcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please consider joining my Patreon for ad-free and streamlined episodes of The Bobcast. That Patreon page is www.patreon.com slash IWantAPartyWithBob. It's a dollar a month for access to all those special Patreon episodes. More money if you want more stuff, of course. That's going to do it for this one. Thank you so much for listening to the I Want a Party with Bob Bobcast. Looking for them, Bob Bobcast.